Hello, and welcome to the first edition of Inside Out, the show that helps those stuck inside to get out, which at the moment is an awful lot of us. I'm Neil Warren, and this is brought to you by Countryside Mobility. Each episode will look at bringing you a taste of the outside into your home with a patchwork landscape of different features from people who are passionate about the outdoors. Today, we're setting out for the coast. Uh, meeting Jim Gale in Dorset. Uh, we'll be speaking to James Chubb, a man who combines a love for rugby with a love for dormice, and also speaking to Tracy Higgins about trampers. So grab your boots and join me as we step outside. So when the idea of this show first came about, um, one of the things I was aware of was that for many of those listening, getting out of the house at all may be difficult at the moment, um, which got me thinking, what might be possible? And I realised that I guess our one main contact with the outdoors in that situation would be what we can see from the window or what we can hear out of the window, which got me thinking, well, let's find someone who can help us to make the most of what we can see from our window, what we might see if we're going for our daily walk. And James Chubb, um, I'm very pleased to say has joined us. So James, welcome. Thank you very much, Neil. Nice to be here. Do you want to, uh, first of all, tell us about your involvement with nature? It's been something I can't remember not being totally engrossed with. Uh, it, it, I've been talking about the same thing with my kids recently while we've been doing lots of homeschooling around the garden. And they wanted to know where it all initially began, where their interest was sparked. And I can't remember for the life of me ever having a moment where I wasn't absolutely dotty about the natural world. And it's just inherent. But I, I um, studied biology at um, Royal Holloway University and sort of had visions of going into, into broadcasting or natural history filmmaking. But over the years since uni, and there have been more than I'd like to remember, um, I've worked my way into site management. So I, I look after the nature reserves for East Devon District Council and count myself as enormously fortunate to have what is a completely dream job. Uh, well, this is your opportunity in terms of broadcasting. I think you do do some broadcasting of a type, um, don't you, though, James? I do. I do a little bit for extra chiefs, yeah, on match day and... Um, I've done quite a bit of uh, of rugby stuff, but um, that's my secondary passion. I do love the game, but nothing comes close to uh, a dormouse, really. So you said you look after um, reserves in East Devon. For those of us who aren't familiar with East Devon, can you just give us a, a little bit of uh, a rundown of the highlights that, that you're responsible for? Absolutely. Well, the, the district itself runs from the access tree in the west all the way over to the boundary with Dorset, near Lyme Regis in the east and uh, we've got 10 nature reserves across the district. Um, the largest one is a huge intertidal area of the Exestria at Exmouth um, and that's a really important site for wintering um, water birds and Brent geese and things like that. And then the site that I have most of my time uh, focused on are the Seaton wetlands on the access tree just outside Seaton. And that's a very dynamic man-made system of, of intertidal wetlands and freshwater marshes, which in the summer is full of dragonflies and um, sand martins and swifts and birds. And then in the winter really comes into its own with 
uh, influxes of overwintering ducks like widgeon um, and huge flocks of, of godwit and curlew. And I think it's not we're not piping in a sound effect. I think you're actually outside at the moment. To... That's right. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, during the COVID lockdown, um, the maintenance of sites is still deemed essential because we've got a steady trickle of people still enjoying their 30 minutes daily exercise from from their home. And rather than looking after the huge honeypot national nature reserves that everyone has to drive to, the district council manage small local nature reserves, which are on people's doorsteps. And so I've maintained um, a, a role outside in, in um, on the reserves for the last uh, three weeks, just making sure that any seasonal jobs, getting ready for livestock to return and things like that, those have to be done, but also making sure that none of the sites fall into disrepair or um, have any vandalism or anything, which sometimes can creep in if things start to look a little bit forgotten about. So it means that legitimately I'm still out and about fulfilling my role. And today I'm just heading back from doing some woodland work this morning at Holliford near Seaton, um, where we found um, three young dormice, which are fresh out of hibernation and snoozing away their morning. And I've come home via Trinity Hill. So that's where I am now, which is over near Axminster and uh, just checking for any litter on site and enjoying the sounds of chiff chaffs, yellow hammers and willow warblers in the background all singing their uh, their hearts out at the moment. You anticipated my next question because I was just about to ask you, <laughs> I was just about to put you on the spot and ask you what we could hear. Yeah. Um, but for people for people at home, um, I, I guess thinking we're, we're re recording this in, in early April, what sort of things might they be able to hear at home? Well, absolutely. This, I am one of life's optimists and, and I know that this is against a terrible, very upsetting backdrop. But there are there are reasons to be cheerful amongst that gloom. And, and really, April is such a stunning month of the calendar year all over the country. And spring migration is well underway. And so most people's gardens will have birdsong in them. And the most uplifting thing is to be able to open a window and just get those songs to float in and turn off the radio or the or the uh, the television for an hour and just listen to the sounds of nature coming into your own living room. Great. And and is there anything any birds in particular that people might uh, be hearing? Yes. Yeah. I mean, the really common garden ones, things like robin, wrens, great tits. They're they're good places to start learning bird calls so that you can recognise them without having to spot them. And uh, things like the wren have a really easily identifiable call, which includes a short section, which sounds like sort of rapid machine gun fire. Um, so as soon as you hear that, you can count that as a wren, chalk it up. Very nice call. Then things like robins sound like a sort of high-pitched blackbird, very fluty and musical, but uh, in quite a, a high register whereas blackbirds have got much more of a sort of baritone address and have a beautiful song. All of those birds you'd expect to find in the city centre of Plymouth as commonly as you would in the middle of, of East Devon. So hopefully everyone has got access to a little window into nature over these coming months. And even if all you can see is a patch of sky, then you can spend your time just staring up and watching for birds passing overhead. 
and uh, learning to identify birds from their wing shape and pattern, which is called vismigging, visible migration. So that's um, a real sort of niche expertise, but it's one that you've got to start at some point. So you may as well start now. Vismigging. Well, that's a new word to me. I'll have to have to remember that one. Um, and is there a particular time of day that would be best? Absolutely. Absolutely. If And, you know, sort of our circadian rhythms are kind of thrown into disarray at times like this. There's, there's no clock ticking and no one has to get up for anything. So why not go to bed really early and get up at half four in the morning? Because then you will hear the absolute best time of day for birdsong. And, and that dawn chorus, even in the middle of a city centre, um, that's when the birds really get going. And I've heard a lot of people that I know who, who live in urban areas or in the countryside and are, are so used to having the noise of birds drowned out by the noise of traffic. Well, obviously, none of us are making anything other than essential trips. And so suddenly that natural orchestra is being cleared of clutter and you can hear the noise so much more clearly. And some people are getting disturbed much earlier than they normally would because all they can hear is this cacophony of birdsong. Yeah, that's very true. I, I've certainly noticed uh, mornings, uh, you can hear a lot more of the birdsong rather than cars. And uh, it's very nice. Yeah. It, it makes you feel like, you know, often it, you only experience that if you go away to, on holiday to the countryside. Absolutely. So James, I think, uh, what we're hoping to do in future weeks is have you back on, get maybe a few field recordings that you might bring us what you uh, encounter as you go out and about. But thank you very much for giving us some inspiration to start with. Um, we'll all be setting our alarms for 4.30 in the morning and uh, listening out. Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll hopefully come up with some other ideas of things people can do at home to bring nature closer to them. And hopefully they won't all involve uh, early mornings. Great. Thank you ever so much, James. Cheers. Well, it was good to have James joining us there from the countryside. But for those of you who have maybe thinking 4.30 is a bit early to set my alarm, you'll be pleased to know that each episode will look to bring you a little sample of sound, thanks to a field recording. Actually, we're hoping at some point to get an interview with someone who makes field recordings, because I think that'll be a really fascinating insight. Um, but for now, take a minute to sit back, relax and listen to a recording of a dawn chorus in Sydenham courtesy of freesound.org. Now, as I said, Inside Out is brought to you by Countryside Mobility, a charity initiative all about helping people to access the countryside, just like this podcast. 
We work with beauty spots around Southwest England and beyond, and in each episode, we're hoping to take you on a visit to one of them. Some I expect are very well known to you, you may well have visited, others will be completely new. But we start off by visiting one of the most iconic locations on Britain's coastline, Lulworth Cove. I recently spoke to Jim Gale, Visitor Services Ranger, and started by asking him what makes it such a favourite. It's a really good question. Um, I suppose that um, it would sort of for different people they'd have different answers, but you know it's a it's a very 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 quaint, uh, I suppose, chocolate box village. I suppose people uh, see it. It's all over. All, I mean, Durdledore and Lulworth Cove they're, they're national landmarks and they're iconic things. People come from all over the country and, and the world to come and see them. Um, those are two of the biggest pools, I suppose. But on top of that, we've got some amazing wildlife around us and beautiful beautiful countryside. English Channel, wonderful walks either side of us. Um, I, I think all those are, uh, are reasons why people come to visit, and you know, and that's why Lower's so special. Great, and it's obviously part of the Jurassic Coast World Heritage Site. So, from a geological point of view, what is it about Lower Cove uh, and the area around it that is particularly distinctive? So, uh, Lower and Dudledore, they've um, they. They've both been formed over the last 10,000 years, but we can take things a lot longer. Uh, things go back a lot longer than that. Our rocks, which make up the area, they were formed from 150 million years ago, right the way through to 65 million years ago. And that crosses both the Jurassic and the Cretaceous time periods. Um, the, the rocks were formed. They were then pushed up by tectonic activity and then eroded away by the sea. Um, and we've got a really interesting feature, which um, is called the Lulworth Crumple, which is actually on one our tramper route at Lulworth. And that's been likened to Britain's answer to the Alps. It's the most northerly example of this geological rippling effect, which is basically Africa smashing into Europe and pushing up our rocks all these thousands of miles north of that tectonic border. Fantastic. You, you can certainly understand why it's so popular. Um, given that so many people do come to Lulworth and, and given your knowledge of it, Jim, um, I just wondered if you have any tips in terms of people who are thinking of going to Lulworth, maybe how to avoid the crowds and or enjoy any places that people don't go to so much that may be a, a bit of hidden gems. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Lulworth, there's no, there's no getting around the fact that we do get very, very busy in the summer. Um, my tips would be to come either side of the summer, you know, the shoulder months, you know, April and May are beautiful times down there as well. If we get some good weather, um, we, um, and, and as well into September and October, good weather in those months is also wonderful down here. It can be really, really beautiful down there then with some lovely, <laughs> lovely weather. Um, I definitely recommend booking the tramp out in advance. Always give us a shout on our, on our number on the website. Um, and you know some some interesting places either side of us. If you if you can get down to Tynham when the military ranges are open, that's a really really special place just on the eastern side of us at Lulworth. Um, and likewise likewise on the other side of the Lulworth of, of Lulworth Estate um, over at Ringstead, a beautiful beach down there as well. You know we're we're really blessed. We're on this lovely part of the coastline here, and we've got some lovely sites around here. It's not just Lulworth and Dudledore. And for you, Jim, what what's the thing that you enjoy most about your job? A really good question. I love the visitor interaction I get. I love meeting people. I love helping people. Great. And the final area, really, I wanted to ask you about is the investment that you've made recently to to make Lulworth more accessible to to people who may otherwise struggle to visit or or be able to appreciate it in its fullest. So, can you tell me about some of the things that you've done in partnership with Countryside Mobility and also with this project Heritage Ability as well? 
Yeah, so we started working with Country Observability a few years ago. Um, I actually saw, um, when I was at university, the uh, Durston had a tramper, and it got me thinking. And when I got to Lulworth, I realised there was more we could be doing. So I kind of began a bit of a push to improve things. So, yeah, around about four or five years ago, I gave yourself a shout, you might remember, and we um, we got the tramper installed at Lulworth. Um, we actually got our, our footpath, which is part of the southwest coast path, made, uh, leveled out, I suppose, steps taken away, all for the tramper um and over the years you know we've seen some it's been amazing to see people bring their uh, relatives down who might not have been able to do that walk before and um we've had people in tears you know with joy um which has been incredible for me um on top of that we've um we've been working we've now done with some of our core staff we've done de- deaf and disability training um we've uh, we've got that, that large prints uh, available now in the visitor center for um uh, for our own in-house publications as well as one of the cabinets we got in the visitor center um we now offer a bsl tour british sign language tour so pe- uh, people with that need can come in and hire out one of our tablets and go around the site and uh, learn about the area um, so, yeah, just some of the things we've been doing, and we're always looking to improve. So, watch this space. Thank you ever so much, Jim. It's really good to hear all the things that you're doing to make Lulworth as accessible as possible and, and for as many people to enjoy it. And uh, it's clear how much you uh, enjoy being there yourself. And thank you for all you do to, uh, to work with us and also to, to help other people enjoy it. Oh, it's no worries, Neil. That's it. Wonderful to chat as always. And uh, yeah, absolute pleasure. Well, thank you again to Jim. Um, That interview was recorded a little while ago. So uh, since then, like many people, um, he's now furloughed. I think he's probably out enjoying the garden, looking after it like many of us are. Um, But you would probably have heard him mention there about uh, a tramper. And you could be wondering, well, what is a tramper? I guess you could call it the Land Rover of the mobility scooter world. It's all terrain and so it goes up hills over tree roots. Um, It's very impressive and it's what we use at all the sites where countryside mobility works to allow people to be able to access the countryside. So people can hire these trampers and be able to go off and explore. We thought it would be a good thing to in this first episode to hear from someone who makes use of this service and so last week I spoke to Tracy Higgins to find out a bit more about how she uses the scheme and how she first came across it. I joined when we were spending um, a weekend or a midweek break I think they call them these days um, down on Exmoor and uh, I discovered that um, Wimbleball Lake had a tramper and got to use it. That was my first ever tramper experience, and that was it. I was sold. I joined the scheme there and then. <laughs> Wimbleball's a fantastic place to, to start with. I know my mum's uh, used the scheme a couple of times, and that's one of the places that we've been with her, and, and she really enjoyed it there. It's a really special place. It's absolutely lovely. It was wonderful to be able to get out amongst the sort of the, the nature, um, to, to be amongst gorse bushes and trees and so forth, and just to feel the wind in my face um, and not be, you know, stuck in the car whilst everybody else was out having a walk. <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, and I guess um, for many people, they, they may not have ever used a mobility scooter before um, because they don't need it on a day-to-day basis. Um, yeah. How did you find using the tramper? Was it easy to pick up? Very, very easy. Um, it's simpler than most of the ones you see in, in the shop mobility schemes. In fact, it's easier than that. 
um, they, they've got more fiddly bits to use. Um, the trampers are totally straightforward. Um, they are very manoeuvrable. I was astounded at what you could do with them and the, and the rough ground that you could go over. Um, it was just so simple, so easy to do, so user-friendly. Brilliant. Uh, you obviously have been using the scheme for quite a number of years. What difference does it make to you? It means I can get out and do things with my family um, and I'm I'm not holding them back. I always used to feel that they wouldn't go off and go for a walk because they'd say, oh, well, mum can't come. Mum will just be sat in the car with her book or something. Um, so I don't feel I'm holding them back. And I'm just enjoying being out in the fresh air, out in the countryside, at the seaside. There are so many, many wonderful locations um, that the trampers are at that I just wouldn't be able to access otherwise. That's fantastic. And um, I guess over the years, you've visited quite a few different places. So what everyone probably is dying to know is, well, where are your favourites? Have you got any tips in terms of where you would suggest people to go? <laughs> Ooh, um, I think St. Just Mines right down um, in on the West Cornish Peninsula is probably my favourite. Um, but there are others. <laughs> tell us a bit about. Well, tell us a bit about um, the the Ting Coast right down in the far tip of Cornwall. I do know that um, one of our two auditors, when when we did the original audit there, he said that this is one of the best places I've been. So you're you're not alone in thinking that's a very special place. Tell, tell us more about it. I think it's because it's so rugged and it's so. Um, it's not a pathway that's been made it's a pathway that just sort of exists because people have used it for so long um so it's very natural um the the coastline there is very rugged you're right up on top of the cliffs with the seagulls um and the breeze in your face and the sea air um and of course it did help that there was a very nice place to get a cream tea at the end <laughs> oh that always helps absolutely most trampers like yeah. to have them <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that, that's always a good to have a reward at the end. Um, it is. Closer to home, I think there's one site that's particularly near you. Which um, Tell us about that one. Uh, that would be Breen Down. Um, and I was lucky enough to be one of the first people to go out in the tramper there. Um, and go I forgot and try about out. this. I, I, got, <laughs> I got you to volunteer for that, didn't I? You did, yes. <laughs> um, and I felt hugely honoured to be able to do it. It was lovely. Um to get up there to have the most incredible views. Um, I'd never been up there back when I was able, you know, and more mobility um, able. So it was a whole new thing for me. Um, but to be able to go up there and we went up, oh, we must have been up there five or six times now. And I've been up with my husband and my daughters um, and to even taken the grandchildren up there as well. Um, and it's just been fantastic to be able to go right out to the to the fort at the end um and to see all that went on there during the second world war um and just yeah again a very rugged um peninsula as it were and the most amazing views you know it's just magical i have to say it's one of my favorites i i've never come across it before and um 
until you know the, the, the site there, the National Trust got in touch and said we'd be interested in having a tramper there, and it really mm. is a fantastic place looking out across the Severn Estuary and then back in the other direction towards the Somerset Level. So that's it definitely one to visit. Yeah, definitely. And there's so many different, so much, so much different wildlife up there. We've seen rabbits up there. We've seen wild ponies up there. Um, all sorts of birds and so forth and gulls swooping down on you, sort of you know, enjoying the, the breeze up there as well. Um, it is a very magical place to be. On a, on a sunny day, you can't get better. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you ever so much. I guess my final question is there may be people listening to this thinking, well, I'm not sure if it's for me. And I know a lot of the people, when they use the scheme for the first time, it's something of a barrier to get over in terms of you maybe not used any mobility equipment before, and it can be quite a barrier to do that. So what would your mm. advice be to them? I think my advice would be go and try it. Um, you've got absolutely nothing to lose. If you find it's not for you, and you know it, not everything suits everybody, um, that's fine, but go and try it. It gave me my freedom back. Um, my sense of not holding my family back, um, not not being a burden on them, you know, it's just phenomenal. Um, I mean, I've enjoyed some of the more rugged walks and so forth, but there are also quite a lot of gardens like Trabar down in Cornwall that have the um, trampers down there, and you can go all around the gardens, um, which I would no longer be able to do. Um, and it's just wonderful to just to see all the lovely different flowers and just get out in the sunshine um i would definitely say give it a go you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain great fantastic well i'm so glad it's been a benefit to you with your, your family and and i hope many more people will discover it uh, you've given us a real taste i think we're all yearning to get outside now but um thank you ever so much tracy um You're very welcome. we've got uh, hopefully good things to look forward to and thank you for sharing your experience with us you're very welcome, Neil. My pleasure. Well, thank you for joining me for this very first episode. I hope you found it interesting and it's given you that taste of the great outdoors. Do help to spread the word. Get in touch via the Countryside Mobility Facebook or Twitter pages. Or if you want to find out a bit more about the scheme, then you could go to our website, countrysidemobility.org. So do join me next time as I travel north to visit the American Museum and Garden, amongst other things. Until then, stay safe and keep well. Mm -hmm.